Good morning, church. Hey, I ask you a question. Are you, are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Thank you. I appreciate that because it is good to be in God's house. And you know, there are days whenever <clears throat> you wake up and you don't want to go to church. It happens to me sometimes. And uh, Rachel's like, you got to go. You're the pastor. And so I just kind of push through it and I go. But I'm always glad when we do come to church because uh, it's in those times when I don't feel like I want to be there that I really get the most out of it. And maybe that's you today. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came to worship with us and, and most importantly to open the word and to learn from him today. Um, so as David said, Ephesians chapter 2, we're just kind of in a season when we're going through this book study in Ephesians, and I just love uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, and so we want to dig into that this morning. So let's begin by reading the scriptures, um, and then I will say a quick prayer, and we'll dig right in. So uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, read with me, please. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, uh, you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his body, his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people you are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the, this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless today our time in your word and that you would give us receptive hearts to hear or to just receive the truth that you might have for us today. God, we want to grow in our knowledge of you. We want to grow in our faith. And uh, so I pray that you would just give us a willingness today to hear Holy Spirit. I ask that you would do your work that goes far beyond anything that I can do um, and that you would speak to our hearts. Father, I humble myself before you as just the speaker, the deliverer of your word. And I ask that you, uh, Father, would just be glorified today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start by taking a poll. Now, the poll that I want to take, um, it's not going to be, uh, I'm going to give you two choices, and it may not be one of your two choices. So just help me out as we take this poll. What I need to know is of the two choices I give you, which one do you favor more than the other? All right? So let's start with uh, what might be an easy one. So Ford or Chevy? Four people, raise your hand. Yeah, Chevy people. Okay, okay, that's a good one. Um, notice I didn't give you another option, <clears throat> David, Toyota. I didn't want you to be alone. I'm playing. Um, how about this one, Dr. Pepper or Coke? Dr. Pepper? Coke. Hmm. Okay, all right, all right. Here's another one for you. 
vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla? Why would you waste your time on vanilla? Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. Here's a little harder one. Ready? Ready? University of Texas or University of Oklahoma? University of Texas? University of Oklahoma? Yeah. Okay. A little bit harder. I see some disdain in your eyes. I see people frowning. Congratulations to the University of Texas. They uh, beat Alabama yesterday. It was pretty cool. Um, here's another one for you. Republican or Democrat? No, no, no. We're not going to do that one. <laughs> not going to do that one. I am not dumb. Um, and so I know better than to do that. But the reason I asked those questions, that poll, is because I think it's easy for us to realize that we all have opinions of something. And if you don't know that, just get online and post something. Someone will get back on there and start arguing with you over whatever it is that you talk about, right? I think that Chevrolet is the best truck. Oh, yeah. And then you just, it's on, right? Um, and so by human nature, we, we divide over different things. Some are little, just banter going back and forth. No big deal. Vanilla chocolate, Chevy, you know, Ford, Dr. Pepper, Coke. No big deal. But then some of them get a little bit harsher. Some of them get a little bit more, I, I don't, tense, and you start talking about your stance on politics. You talk about religion in some circumstances. And we start to feel tension build, right? We start to feel the tension build and the division gets greater and greater and greater. Um, and, and then sometimes you just see these walls that go up and people can get so ugly. Even Christians, church, even Christians can do some things that are just like, Wow, where did we go? How did we get here, right? If the gospel is the one that brings peace and we're together and, and God blesses unity, then how can we get to the point where you get Christian against Christian um, in this heavily divided um, culture that we live in today and, and religion and churches are not exempt as well? I bring that up because that's the text that Paul is addressing today as he's continuing uh, what he's been talking about, about the gospel. As we've said all along, the book of Ephesians is unique in that he's not addressing problems in the church, and he's not addressing bad doctrine, he's not correcting bad doctrine, he's just simply giving a, a beautiful presentation of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, how it affects us as believers, and, and, and the impact that it should have on our lives. And so um, I want to make sure, because it was written as a letter, not in a series of sermons, and so uh, it's good for us to just be reminded. Maybe you weren't here in the first couple of weeks, but when you place your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's what he says of you. He says that you are <clears throat> holy and blameless in his eyes. In God's eyes, you're holy and blameless. You're adopted into his family. Grace has been poured out on you. You have been purchased or redeemed by the ransom that Jesus paid on the cross. You have been forgiven. It's comforting to know that our, our sins have been forgiven, right? He has showered his kindness on us, all of his wisdom and his understanding. He's revealed to us the mystery regarding Christ. Um, he's given us this great inheritance that's kept in heaven for us that one day we will uh, get to experience. And then he's given us himself, God the Holy Spirit that dwells within us as a guarantee that he will give us what he has promised to us. Now that in chapter 1 is, a, is a quite a bit, isn't it? Paul says it's every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is for those of us who place our faith in the gospel. That should increase our awe, our sense of wonder and worship of this what a mighty God we serve, right? 
All right, so he says that, and he says, hey, I pray that you truly get to know God, not to know about him, but to know him, and what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance, and the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and elevated him all above everything else where he sits at authority at the right hand of the Father. That power is available to those who believe in him. And so he's just building up the awe, the wonder of the gospel. And then last week, he, he kind of did this before and after picture. We looked at what life was like reminding us before the gospel, before grace, before we placed our faith in the gospel, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And there was no hope. It was a hopeless situation. But God, who is rich in mercy and loved us so much, it says he raised us to life when he raised Christ from the dead. I had a sink cable. You remember that word in the Greek? It's only used two times in the New Testament where essentially what it means is, from God's perspective, you know, a thousand years is like two, uh, one day to God. And so for us, 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, it's like from God's perspective a couple of days ago that his son died on the cross for the sins of the world. And when you place your faith in the gospel, it's like he sinks you up so that that reality recorded in the annals of history becomes a present reality in your life. That's good news, church. And so he's continuing to build that and build that and build that. He kind of goes off of that theme. And so that affects us on an individual uh, basis. And we're talking about discovering who we are in Christ. And as I said last week, part of discovering who we are is considering and remembering where we were or what we were before the gospel. And so he continues on in that text today talking about this um, as it relates to the culture or the nation. So individually we were dead, but now we're alive. But what about when it comes to the context of the people of Israel? And so he reminds us, hey, you Gentiles. Now, just a reminder, Gentiles are those that are not Jews. So if you're born as a, a Jewish person in the Jewish uh, you know, nation there, then you're God's chosen people. That's who he chose, right, at the beginning. Go to Genesis chapter 12 and look at Abraham and God. He says, hey, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless the world through you. He goes on to tell him, hey, listen, I just want you to know that your, your ancestors are going to be um, held captive for 400 years, but I'm going to send a deliverer. He's going to rescue them, and they're going to be my people. So he made this promise, this covenant with Abraham. And in Exodus chapter 20, we see this man named Moses, who was that deliverer, that lays out the law, right? He says, here are the commands to honor and to obey a holy, holy God who is our deliverer. And so they begin to do all of these laws and these ceremonial laws, and they built a tabernacle. Later, they would build a temple, and they had their place of worship. It all belonged to the Jews, and if you weren't a Jew, you were an outsider. You didn't belong. You didn't participate. And so he begins this passage by saying, don't forget, before the gospel, that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Have you ever been on the outside looking in? I think sometimes we can feel that way going into church, can't we? You get somebody that's brand new in their faith, and they meet somebody who's strong in their faith, and maybe they know a little bit more than you do, and you just feel like an outsider. Now, I'm here to tell you that the gospel makes it an even playing field for all of us who place our faith in Jesus. Amen? So you may not know as much as the other person, but you're belonging just as much as they are belonging. He says, you used to be outsiders. This is your past. He says, you were called uncircumcised heathens. So a part in Genesis 15, as a sign of the covenant that they were God's people, God gave them circumcision. He said, hey, that's every male will be circumcised, and it'll be a sign that you're my people. So they had this outward sign that they belonged to God. And so if you were not a Jew, you weren't circumcised. And so they looked down on you. There was great hatred toward those who didn't belong. And they called them these uncircumcised heathens. And so it was a place of contempt. 
If you didn't belong, if you were an outsider, you weren't just an outsider, but you're probably hated. And so what Paul is trying to get us to see and what he was trying to get them to see is like this gospel makes a huge difference and impact. Not only the blessings that are with us or every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and not, not only the fact that we were dead but now we're alive in Christ, but you also belong now because before you didn't belong. So just as a side note, you know, in the temple that Solomon would build, and even later when Herod rebuilt the temple, in the time when Jesus was walking around on the earth, uh, there was this inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. There was the temple of the, the Jews, and there was this, like, gate, this fence, if you will, a small wall of partition. Um, and there were these stones where it was etched on those stones, these inscriptions, warning the people that were not Jews not to pass that place. It's like, hey, if you're a Gentile, you're welcome to come to the outer courts, but do not go to the inner courts. In fact, in Acts chapter 21, we see a picture of Paul being accused of bringing um, a a Greek or a Gentile person into the temple, and they beat him and had him arrested. It was a pretty serious thing. In fact, they found an artifact of Herod's old temple where it was chiseled in stone, this message. No stranger um, is to enter within the balustrade, that's like the wall, Round the temple and enclosure, whoever caught will be himself responsible for his ensuing death. So it was a pretty serious thing if you're an outsider. You just didn't belong, and you had no access. That was before. Not only was it a place of contempt, but it was also a place without the covenant privileges. Listen to what he says. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. So there's this separation from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship, so you were excluded. You didn't belong. You did not know the covenant promises of God. They were foreign to us because he didn't give them to the Gentiles. He gave them to the Jews, and so he said, it's all foreign to you. And he says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. It's a pretty hopeless situation. That's the before that Paul points out. But but we're, we're celebrating, we're amplifying, we're magnifying the good news. And the good news is, but now. Last week it was, but God, now he says, but now, because the gospel makes the difference, amen? And so he says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, he he kind of points back to the first few verses, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So we have this before picture, and we see now the work of Christ in uh, fixing the problem. And he'll finish up with the after picture, much like uh, last week when we looked at this. So the Jews put so much emphasis on this outer um, evidence or this proof that they were God's people with circumcision. And Paul makes a reference to it here. He says, but the Jews who are proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Right? He said, it was just, they're just going through the motions. They, they got the tattoo, if you will. They got the necklace. They got the label saying that they belonged, but their heart didn't line up with the stuff that they were displaying on the outside. And so Paul would later hit this in Romans and in Galatians and in Colossians. He says, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you're no better off than the uncircumcised Gentile. This is what he's telling to the Jews. In Galatians 5, remember a corrective letter. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses, which we know is impossible, right? For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. God's grace as it is given to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Colossians 2 says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision by cutting away your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And so through the gospel, he's saying, but now, once you were far away, now you've been brought near, and you've been brought near not because of your good works, not because of your pedigree, not because of the church you grew up in, or because you knew a lot of cool stuff. He says, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ. Now, this encompasses everything that we know about the blood of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the atonement, everything that Jesus did. Amen? So just to remind you, the Old Testament speaks a lot about blood. We used to sing a lot of songs about blood. There's power in the blood. Are you washed in the blood? There is a fountain um, flowing with blood that's drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Some beautiful songs, kind of gory if you don't understand the context, but there's a lot of references to the blood. Why? Because it's the blood of Jesus that makes us white as snow, that washes us and cleanses us from unrighteousness. So the Old Testament, they had this sacrificial system. And he says it is impossible uh, to take away the sins by the blood of bulls and goats. It's going to take a perfect sacrifice. We know who that is. John, when he was baptized in the River Jordan, he saw Jesus coming. He says, look, guys, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus would go on to fulfill every bit of the law, the only human being to perfectly fulfill the law. He would become the perfect sacrifice. And when he died on the cross, he shed his blood, bore our sins on the tree, in his body, my friends, that is what brought us near. Are you thankful for the cross? Are you, his pain, our gain, right? Are you thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hopefully, we understand just how blessed we are because of him, because of the gospel, his grace. So it says, through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people. So before there was this great division, this wall of hostility between the two groups, right? The outsiders who wished they could be apart. The Jews that said, no, you can't be apart. You don't belong. And it says that through the gospel, he has now made one group of people out of the other two groups. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility. It's an allusion back to the temple. It's not speaking of that. But this wall of division, this wall of hostility between the two groups, he broke it down the one that separated us verse 15 he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations now how did he end it because christ fulfilled it so the jews that were so focused on all the laws all the ceremonies you got to do all of these things to be made right with god and as he said it was only an outer thing it didn't change the inside we know that jesus came and he fulfilled 100 percent the law he was the perfect obedient one to the law of Moses. And so he fulfilled it. He ended it in its regulations. And it says, he, Jesus, made peace. We could sure use some peace in our world today, couldn't we? We could sure use some peace in our churches today. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups To God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him. You remember the outsiders? But he also brought this peace to the Jews who were the closest to him. 
those who were near. And he says, now all of us. Say all of us. So here's the good news. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you place your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that all of us includes you too. And so when you place your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We can stop right there. That's good news, right? The focus is on what Jesus did for us on our behalf. How God would bring all of humanity back to him before the foundations of the earth. That was his plan through Jesus. Right? And whosoever would place their faith in the gospel, he predetermined in advance that it was going to be through Christ that they would be reconciled back to himself. You couldn't come up with a better plan. God is a mighty God. We sing the song a moment ago. What a mighty God. This great, great plan. And so he paints this picture of before, what it was like. We were outsiders looking in. We were divided. We were um, just hated by the Jews. I mean, this is like 2,000 years ago for us. We, we kind of... We see it in church, though, don't we? <laughs> I now want to meddle a little bit. How many of you probably experienced that in church? I mean, you didn't dress the way somebody else dressed. Or they had these, like, man-made traditions that the Scriptures don't teach. He says you, you, you put these burdens on people, and you say, well, if you're going to worship, you've got to do it this way and that way and that way and this way. And we add all these extra things that I can't find in Scripture. And we alienate people when the more weighty things that we should take a stand on, there should be these foundational principles that, hey, we believe that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Right? Broad is the road that leads to destruction. There are many that find that, but narrow is the gate. The gate tells me there's a wall, right? There's a gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. And we know that no man can come to the Father except through Jesus. We need to take a strong stance and foundation on that. Amen? That's like the non-negotiable to me. But there's so many non-essentials that we divide over. Do we want to do communion every week or every once in a while? Baptism? The color of the chairs? It needs to be red. It's the blood of Jesus. How many of you remember that, those years? It's the blood of Jesus. It's got to be red. We do all these different things, and, and we push people away that the gospel is available to as well. Sometimes we as a church can get caught up in that as well, building up walls. The good news is God broke down the walls that we had no hope of ever scaling, ever getting past, because the very fact that we were born not a Jew, and the gospel basically includes us. It tells us that now we belong because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is so cool. And it should change the way we view other outsiders, right? That God loves them too, and, and he is willing that none should perish, and even the, the people that we think are the, less, the least deserving of his grace need it, and we should be praying for that, Right? Instead of building walls, we should be modeling what he did and trying to not or try to break down some of the barriers that cause the divisions, frankly, that are in our churches today. And so the after picture, look at what he says in verse 19. So now you Gentiles, he's again reminding them that they were no longer they were no they were not the original people of God, right? The Jews. They were the outsiders. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You know, one of the things that happened at the crucifixion of Jesus, which was so symbolic and powerful, and it, it happened in a way that no one could take credit for it except for God Almighty, right? When Jesus gave up his life on the cross, the Bible says that the veil at the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, signifying that it was God that did it and not man. You know what he was doing at that moment? Access, right? 
Because before then, you had to be the priest, and, and then you had to be the high priest, and only once a year, the high priest would go beyond the veil. He would wear bells on the hem of his garment. He would have a rope tied to his foot, because if he didn't live right, and he went beyond the veil, he could drop dead in the presence of a holy God. And they would just grab the rope, drag him out next, and they would send another one in, right? And as long as you heard the bells, you knew, okay, he's still doing his work, right? He's up there meeting on our behalf before God. The gospel breaks down the wall that divided us, and now we have the same access that the priests had to the very presence of God the Father. That's good news. Do we truly understand that? Do we truly grasp how blessed we are because of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I hope, because I think sometimes we take it for granted. Amen? We, we take a lot of things for granted. I take my wife for granted. Don't say amen. But that's the reality. Is we, we take people for granted. But I think the same thing is true in the gospel. Like we get so used to going through the motions. Hey, I go to church because that's what I've always done. We sing the songs. Yeah, I get it. And, and it's like, what a mighty God. What a mighty God you are. It's like, do you really understand? And I think that's the, the heart behind Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He's like, guys, I don't think you get it. So let me just lay out clearly all that has been done on your behalf because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the blessings in the heavenly places, the power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you, right? That you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and now he's made you alive when he raised Christ from the dead. He synced your life together with the, the, the resurrection of his son, and he says you're now alive because of the gospel. And you were of outsiders. You, you didn't belong. He didn't make his covenant with you as a Gentile. He made it with the Jews. And the Jews had this outward, you know, example, if you will, that they were his, but they weren't living it on the inside. And Jesus would, ba- he would banter back and forth with the Pharisees because they were like whitewashed tombs, he said. They looked beautiful on the outside, but on the inside they were full of dead men's bones. And he said, man, you guys are just, you're talking it, but you're not living it. And so the good news is that he would take these two groups of people where there's a huge wall of division separating us, and he'd say, I'm going to make peace not only between me and them, but between them and them. I want to make peace for all people that through the gospel, there's now one group of people that are made right with God. And it's not the Jewish nation. I don't think God's done with the Jewish people. I think he loves them, and I think he's still got a plan for them. But when it comes to how we're made right with God from the foundation of the world, he said it's going to be through Jesus. Amen. And so he said, when you heard this news, like he brought peace to those who were far off, the ones that weren't covenant people of God, and he brought peace to the Jews who were near. Right Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You know what that means? You belong. You belong. You have access just like they have access. He says you are members of God's family. And how many know families can be weird? You get a a few weird ones in the family every once in a while, but you're still family. Listen to this. Together we are his house. Now he changes the metaphor. We are a house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone, the cornerstone, the most important piece that set everything, the plumb line, right, the level, the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. It's all about Jesus. And listen to this. We are carefully joined together in him. When I, when I think of this, I think of the house process and building and doing the brick. And you know, you get those speckled patterns. There's a white brick. There's a black brick. There's a gray brick. You know, and there's just different colors of brick that are put together. And together they make this beautiful mosaic. You're like, wow, that looks really cool. 
There's a lot of variety there. I think that's the way it is in the, not Living Water Church, but in the church universally. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Amen? Now, it's, I, I, we don't see it in Canyon, Texas very often, but I visit my, my daughter and son-in-law. They go to a, a Bible church in Dallas, and it is extremely obvious that it is a church that has a, a great representation all over the globe. In fact, they get this huge map in the foyer, and people put push pins, you know, in the area where they're from on the globe. And I'm like, really? Does anybody live in Iceland? Yeah, right there. They're there. And you just look around and worship, and you're like, this is, co- this is what heaven's probably going to be like, right? If you're looking around for people that look like you, talk like you, dress like you, you're going to be probably shocked when we get to heaven because we're going to see people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation that are standing there worshiping God as one huge family, one large house built together with Christ. It's all about him as the corner foundation. That's cool to me. And so the church... I believe should model that. It should be like a, a, a great mosaic of all those people who've placed their faith in the gospel. So because of the gospel, you belong. If you've placed in your faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you belong. You're not an outsider. You're in God's family. Through his sacrifice, Christ breaks down the barriers, creating a new community where believers are built together as God's dwelling place. And so what is our response to that? Well, hopefully, you're in the family. And I think we made it clear on how you do that is to place your faith in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm placing my trust in him and him alone. Amen? And so it so says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so from there, hopefully everyone in the room has done that. If you've not, this is the most important thing you can do is what you do with the gospel. But if you've done that, I hope that it instills within you a little joy, a little praise, Maybe a little confidence in who you belong to. Because that's what Ephesians is doing. He's like, if you're in Christ, you've got it all. Right? And I don't want you to be ignorant or unknowing of this. I want you to understand just how powerful of his gift of grace is to you and to those who place their faith. He's no respecter of persons. I feel like I deserve it, but what about them over there? God goes, yep, whosoever. Really? Them too? Mm Mm-hmm, them too. It is good news. Amen? And so should well up within us the sense of awe and sense of praise of, of a holy God. We didn't deserve it, and yet he gave it all because of love, his great love, his great mercy. And I would say to follow that up is like how then should we live? We'll get into that in a few weeks when he says, hey, I want you to live your life worthy of the calling. In view of all these things, Paul's going to go back and go, hey, remember chapter 1, 2, 3, all of that stuff we unpacked. In view of all of that, now I want you to live a life that's worthy of all of that. And how many know that's where we struggle? Because we don't always hit it right. We don't always, I mean, we have this desire to do it, but we don't always um, do it. And it's comforting to me to know that my being in a right standing with God is not based on my ability to walk a straight line or to always wake up in perfect obedience because no one could ever do that. Only one did. And it was Jesus, and it's through him today that we have access to the Father. We are no longer outsiders, but we belong to the family of God. And I would say, corporately as a church, what does this look like for us together in corporate worship? In the church globally, we should probably be breaking down some of the walls that we've put up over the years in churches. That's why we have so many different denominations. And some of them, when you sit down and actually visit with them, you're like, man, we're so close doctrinally with one another. 
but we believe this, and we believe this, and so we're going to start our own church, and we're going to do this, and I just think that one day we're going to get to heaven, and it's going to look different than what even we're used to and comfortable with, maybe. <laughs> and so, what do you say to that? God, you're awesome. What a mighty God you are. Worthy of praise, worthy of honor and worship, worthy of our obedience. It's all about the gospel. Amen? It really is good news. Hopefully you've placed your faith in this good news. Father, we humble ourselves before you when we consider all that you've done for us through the gospel. We just have to stop and and, and pump the brakes for a moment and consider how big that is. And I'll be the first to admit that I take those things for granted, just like I take my wife for granted, just like we may take other things in this world for granted. Lord, help us to have a fresh revelation today of what all you have done for us that place our faith in you what you've done for us through the gospel. And God, I don't don't want us to get arrogant with it. I don't want us to fall into the same trap that the Jews did where they start feeling like there's some sort of a spiritual elite group of people and look down with disdain on other people that don't walk like we walk or talk like we talk or practice like we practice. But God, that we would look at the, the wall of separation that was broken down between us and the Jews and we would hear your heart Lord, to be the, the same, not, not giving up truth, not giving up ground on the things that we need to stand on, but Father, to be more loving and more unified like you brought unity and you brought peace through us. God, we just say thank you. We say thank you for the gospel. We don't deserve it, but it's what your word says that you did for us because of your love, your mercy. God, thank you. And I pray that it would have an impact on our lives and our hearts. Lord, that we would just desire to live in a way that matches all that you've done for us in a way that's worthy of what we've been called to. We humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.